No, I didn't actually attempt. Um, I haven't gotten to that point, I guess. The courage, the strength that it takes to be open and honest about this. Instead of just, you know, blaming myself that he's not here anymore. Uh, I was prepared to shoot myself. Um, and I called my family to sort of say goodbye. To be honest, I was scared reaching out for help because I was like, this could totally ruin my career. Somebody to have a more proactive approach and that he was coming to me to be that person. They had found him and he committed suicide. I just started screaming. I just felt responsible. Hello everyone, I am Timothy Lawson, host and founder of the One Too Many Veteran Suicide Podcast. And project. And if you were anticipating that opening, that means you've listened uh, to a number of our programs, and I really appreciate that. I know that there's a lot of things out there in the podcasting world and in the entertainment world that you can listen to, and the fact that you take time out of your day to listen to my thoughts and listen to my guest stories, it really means a lot to me, and I know it means a lot to them. I constantly get messages from people saying how important this program has been in their acceptance of their behavior and their attempts to overcome any issues they have and trying to better their emotional and mental health. So thank you so much for taking the time to listen. This week's program is going to feature Ellen Gusenberg-Kent. Ellen is the director of Crisis Hotline Veterans Press 1. She won an Oscar for that documentary. It was it was. Uh, featured on HBO, and it's phenomenal. It's an amazing insight into the challenges and realities of being in an office of a crisis hotline and trying, trying their best to deal with suicidal veterans and veterans that are experiencing extreme crisis and veterans that are feel like they have no one else to turn to and just how dedicated they clearly are is really humbling and it makes it'll make you think differently whether or not you've already approved of hotlines it'll still shift how you view hotlines whether it'll go from good to great or from bad to good whatever whatever it is i highly recommend cross crisis hotline veterans press one i'll make sure that in the show notes at one too many project.com o-n-e the number two many project.com i'll be sure that there is a link uh, maybe to, if I can find it on YouTube, it, I mean, HBO probably won't allow it there, but I'll try to get it a link to where you, where you can view it, uh, if I can find that. Anyhow, Ellen had, was nice enough to join me and talk about the creation of that documentary and what she learned about hotlines on that side of the perspective. Last week, my friend Luis came on. Uh, a Marine veteran, and he talked about his actual experience with calling a hotline and where and how that helped him and how that impacted his emotional health. This week, we see a diff- we hear from a different perspective in Ellen's uh, documentary that she did uh, of Cross- Crisis Hotline. So uh, let me know what you think. I'll follow up the interview with a few more bits on uh, on Ellen and this episode, but uh, I really hope you enjoy this. 
All right, everybody. Thank you again for, for listening to another episode of One Too Many Veteran Suicide. These interview stories and insight are just so valuable. And I know I, I get messages every every week from veterans and their families about how they learn so much through uh, through the stories that people are willing to share. And after uh, after a little bit of uh, of waiting, I finally have uh, Miss Ellen Gusenberg Kent on the show. Ma'am, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. You have uh, a long list of credentials, but the the one that uh, stands out and the reason why uh, you fit on this program is you're the director of Cross- Crisis Hotline Veterans Press One. First. I see. I so, so obviously when it first came out, people any people were sending it to me. Right, they wanted to know uh, if I had seen it and and what I had thought. And uh, one, of course, the first thing I thought was I want to have the director on my podcast. And then uh, I really thought about the importance of a hotline, and it was something that it's actually perfect that we're finally getting you on this week because your interview will be following. Um, an interview I did with a Marine veteran who shares his experience with calling a hotline. A lot of my guests uh, don't, none of them yet have talked about that experience. And so your interview is following one in which the the story is specifically about the about calling a hotline and what happened afterwards. So let's let's start this conversation with. Why? Why? Why the hotline? Of all the, you know, you you've done some productions in the veteran space and military themed. When it came to this one, you know, there's there's dozens of veteran, you know, issues and and concerns. Why the crisis hotline? Well, yeah, I I think that um, having begun to get to know um, a lot about veteran struggles. Uh, you know, doing that um, by interviewing veterans um, who were profoundly injured physically and then some who came back um, from their war experience traumatized in some way um, by what they saw or what happened, um, it sort of became clear to me that there was a lot that people in general didn't understand and that we might be able to be helpful in that way. And then, you know, the summer when I began doing research on what could be the next film, uh, there was a lot in the news about the suicide rate uh, among veterans and the numbers were staggering. And, uh, you know, how do you approach a problem that monumental? Uh, You know, you can go to families who have lost someone and talk to them um, and, and, you know, that's one way, and it's something that we did on War Torn, so that you could sort of look at how might this tragedy have been prevented. But then it seemed really important to somehow, you know, get uh, a message to veterans themselves and to active duty members that, um, you know, maybe if you look around you and you feel that there's no place you can go with some torment some struggle that there, you know, there's an anonymous place that you can, you know, pick up the phone and, and, you know, not only get some help, but actually talk to another service member. Um, And that seemed like a really important thing to do. You know, we'd also heard a lot from veterans and family members about, you know, feeling 
um, when they were deployed that there wasn't, you know, the time or space or it wasn't appropriate to deal with um, some of their feelings about, you know, the loss of, uh, you know, close friends in battle or, you know, their inability to sort of prevent someone else from, from dying or, or being killed. And so, you know, what do you do when you have no place to turn? You feel hopeless and helpless, and you might um, begin to think about doing something permanent, uh, taking your own life. And so, you know, the most immediate thing you can do is pick up a phone and call a hotline um, and, you know, get some relief and, and ideally uh, a reason to keep going, a reason to keep on living. And and I guess, you know, the other thing about it was, um, well, you know what, uh, l let me hear what you'd like to know because, you know, there were a lot of things about the hotline that were different than I expected. And, yeah, um, I mean, and, that's, yeah, once that's I looked actually, into it, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Say, yeah, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but that, that's, that's actually what I'm first curious to know is going into, I mean, I don't even know what to expect from a hotline because I personally haven't had, had to call one yet. And I have a very small sample size of stories that explain that talk about what it was like to, to call a hotline. Um, you know, what maybe, maybe just pick out one significant thing that you, that you noticed that was different about that experience than what you may have expected going into it. Yeah. So, so just a quick question for you, the veterans that you've spoken to who called hotlines, did they find that experience helpful? Yes. Um, they, they found it helpful because the the person at the other end provided, you know, just an open space of talking, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't, um, I think one, I think uh, one of the myths, I guess, or one of the, one of the things that we, uh, I guess, expect out of that experience is, or we assume that you call to talk about suicide and that's actually not necessary. That's not always the case. Right. Well, it is a concern and they want to, they want to know if that's what's, what's on your mind that they, they actually talk to you about your day and it just pretty much anything that you're willing to talk about. They let you discuss. If you want to talk about baseball, that's what you talk about. Right. But it's, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to give you an open and comfortable dialogue for you to just get to, to talk about things because sooner or later you're going to get to really what matters. And I think that was the one thing that I hadn't realized until people pointed out to me that, you know, when you call, it's not just about specifically why you want to kill yourself or what crisis you're going through. It's what you just call to have a connection. Right. Right. Well, you know, there's all kinds of reasons to call and, and, and all kinds of reasons that people do call. And, you know, I guess my experience of the hotline was, you know, that, that certainly they tried to figure out rather quickly whether or not someone was feeling suicidal and more seriously whether they actually had a plan more than just thinking about it. And because, you know, the, you, you want to address that immediate crisis. But but many people called um, because they were struggling in one way or another. And um, and sometimes the struggle wasn't necessarily about their war experience, although maybe that was in the background. But in the foreground were just life issues like homelessness or, um, you know, a marriage that was dissolving or a lack of family support where, you know, a veteran was told to leave and had no place to go. 
um, those are other kinds of crises, and they can, you know, they can really be precipitators um, of somebody sort of feeling like they can't go on. And so to be able to call a hotline and, you know, sort of talk about that and have somebody sort of help you um, figure out what to do um, is a really valuable thing. But also, you know, when you say sort of talk about your day, a lot of veterans don't give themselves credit um, for the things in their lives that are, are going to, you know, sort of be the way that they can reform their lives now that they're home. And so, you know, the hotline responders are really great at, at sort of getting people talking about the course that they're signed up for, going back to school, or, um, you know, just anything that that veteran really wants to accomplish. And, you know, sometimes the obstacles to accomplishing those themes are, you know, depression and, you know, sleeplessness and a lot of the stuff that comes from their war experience. And so, you know, it, it, the hotline responders are also really good at sort of teasing those things out, you know, putting one foot, helping you put one foot in front of the other. Okay, you're feeling really down. That's probably why it's really hard for you to set up appointments and try to get a job. And, you know, and how can we address that? Um, and what are the things that you can do to care for yourself better? And who are your supports in life? And, you know, how can you utilize them more? So, uh, you know, and, and mundane stuff that's, that's really super frustrating and difficult. Like, uh, you know, I can't get my prescription refilled. I can't get my doctor on the phone. I can't get an appointment, uh, you know, with a therapist, et cetera. You know, that stuff is, can be monumental. Um, and, you know, good hotline responders can also help make that happen. Yeah. One thing that I think is very unique about, you know, this documentary specifically is it's, you know, it, it gives insights to why veterans may be calling what's going on in their lives, but it specifically show, almost tells the story of the people who have to answer the phones and their experience. And I think that, I think that's something, that's a, that's a part of this whole effort that we don't give enough credit to are uh, the people that are answering the phones and dealing with these crises and have to endure the, endure the, the hangups and the, the, you know, the yelling and stuff like that. And it, it, it really, really stood out to me because I have had to shake my head dozens of times just in the past year of watching people in in public spaces say that no one cares about veterans issues or veterans are killing themselves and no one cares and making these stupid blanket statements that uh that that society isn't here to help them when they're when you know your documentary is just one small example of how people are trying to help in a big way well you know since i've made the documentary i've been contacted by a number of organizations who are really want to get the word out about what they're offering and some of them um are really pretty remarkable, and I don't know if it's okay. I, I would be happy to take a minute and talk about it because I think that there are a lot of places that veterans and their family members can go. Um, when I say places, I mean sometimes uh, these are, you know, organizations that you'd contact by phone um, sure. and be able to have an ongoing relationship, sort of become a client of that organization, and, and then they can really um, sort of set you up um, with some opportunities that can begin the healing process. So, um, you know, just as a couple of examples and how they tie in, 
you know, to why people call hotlines. Um, I was able to sit in on a workshop uh, or the end of a workshop um, that was put on by the Patent Veterans Project. This is a, a grandson of uh, General Patton. And what they do is they go around to different army bases and they offer, you know, a filmmaking workshop where, you know, veterans can come, it's voluntary, um, and work with each other and make short films, you know. And, and what was profound for me, I wasn't there during the making of the films, but after they were made, they were, you know, screened for family members, et cetera. Um, and this particular workshop was a, there was a combination of American and Israeli veterans um, who actually chose to work together in some cases, even though their experiences were really different. And so, you know, even the process of a couple of days spent with other veterans was really profound and life-altering because um, these men, and in some cases women, were able to express things that they hadn't been able to express to family members. And when family members were able to sit and sort of see their short films, it opened up a conversation. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that I learned uh, at the hotline, which I also saw at this workshop, was that many veterans were averse to um, thinking about getting therapy because they thought it was going to be a rehashing of, you know, their war experiences, and they maybe didn't feel ready for that, were not particularly interested in that. Um, and so, you know, therapy, quote, unquote, you know, beginning a process of coming to terms with your experience doesn't have to be traditional therapy, and there's lots of, um, you know, ways that it can happen. And then, you know, there are, you know, places where you can go and get therapy or your family members can go. And I think, you know, family is sort of the often overlooked piece of the puzzle. So, you know, you don't have PTSD. It doesn't just, there's not just one person who has it, you know, the entire family develops it. And, and that family can't be a great support for the veteran um, sometimes unless they, you know, have some way of, you know, understanding what's going on and getting some, you know, understanding um, and support themselves. So there are organizations like the Soldiers Project. Um, I'm familiar with the Soldiers Project. And yeah, and 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 that project um, has uh, a number of therapists who work there pro bono, and they offer therapy to both veterans and family members. And I think that's key because I think veterans do much better. Um, when they're struggling with these issues, and they have a support uh, system of some kind. And I think, you know, what I keep hearing is that it's great if that support system can involve both family members and other veterans. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you the you finished this production back in 2013. It was just recently... Uh, awarded an Oscar. Congratulations on that. Thanks. Um, it, um, I thought it was, I was very excited to to see the news because I was like, oh, I know that. I've seen that. <laughs> and, um, and I think it's, you know, I think that, you know, watching, watching this documentary get coverage, or get, watching the, the Oscar award get coverage as much as it did, um, I think really gave a nod to how, uh, you know, how well the story was told and how serious people are taking this. Since then, I'm sure, like you said, you've been contacted by a lot of organizations. You've mentioned a couple already. 
what else have you learned about about caring for veterans since this has happened, since all of this? So not during the filming, not when it was released, but since then, when I'm sure you've been been given a lot of exposure to uh, to many different things. Uh, what has sort of come new to you on how we deal with with veterans' issues? Um, I think you know one of the things that I've been happy to see, and you know me this I'm not sure if this is what you have in mind, but is that female veterans are beginning to have a community and to be able to talk about some of the issues that they've struggled with, whether they be military sexual trauma or otherwise. Um, I think that's an important thing. I think, yeah, I think that the country as a whole um, and particularly, I mean, sort of government funding seems to be flowing a little bit more towards the VA um, and other services. I think that there's been more in the way of um, housing made available to veterans and um, universities uh, seem to have, you know, a, a more robust sort of veterans presence on campus and are offering more services. And, and, you know, all of that is a really good thing and it's been a long time in coming. Um, but I think no one needs to struggle on their own. Um, I think it, it's maybe not always immediately apparent where to turn, but I think, you know, even if veterans were to call a national organization like IAVA or Wounded Warrior Project and say, you know, I'm thinking about enrolling in school, I, I wonder if there are other veterans there, for yeah. example. Um, they'll discover that there are and that there's some sort of a presence and that there is some support for them. And I think that all of that is really important. It helps you feel less alone because, you know, I do, I mean, veterans are 1% of the population, right? That's tiny. Um, you know, we've been at war forever and ever, it feels like, and, you know, you would think that the consciousness would pervade the country that, you know, people are coming back from war and, you know, to, to reach out an extra hand to them to help them make the transition back. Um, and that's starting to happen. Yeah. So, Ellen, I have two more questions uh, to, to wrap this up. Okay. Um, the first would be, if you were to do a follow-up uh, on on the the crisis hotline documentary, and it it can focus on a hotline, it can focus on a different angle of uh, veterans' issues. What do you what sort of approach do you think you would take to a follow-up? Well, I think um, I'd be really interested in veterans in some of the more far-flung parts of America, because I think in the big cities. Um, you know, resources are available. And I think that, you know, one of the things that I heard when I was at the hotline is that there are suicide prevention coordinators, that there are, you know, people available through the VA um, who are connecting veterans with services. Um, and I'd like to see how that really happens in some of the more remote uh, parts of the country and, and, and states where, um, you know, there's just not a lot of services. Um, what are we offering to those veterans? Because the, some of those states um, have the largest, I think, percentage of service members. And, you know, I think that the other thing that, that sort of alarms me and that I care about is what happens in, you know, warrior transition units, um, what happens on the bases, um, what's the message that veterans who are, you know, dealing with PTSD get, and, uh, you know, how much are they encouraged to 
you know, not only seek help, but, but to, you know, really access it. You know, how good is the training um, on these bases? Um, how, you know, how powerful is what's being offered to veterans um, so that they can address some of these issues? So, you know, I think that there's a lot to explore still. Yeah, absolutely. And then finally, if now that you've seen what the the hotline is like, and uh, you know you've you've gotten a lot of feedback, I'm sure from people inside the veteran community and otherwise, if you were to encounter a veteran that is uh, that is experiencing some sort of crisis, would you recommend to them to to call a hotline? Yeah, I would. Absolutely. I think that you know the people that work there are incredibly dedicated. I think that they're really really well trained. Um, and I think that the hotline is, is you know, there in a very real way for people. Um, uh, one of the veterans that I met at a screening was talking to me about um, a period of time, you know, a couple of months, where um, her marriage was falling apart, where she was really struggling. She hadn't really sort of connected with work. She couldn't figure out how to value her veterans experience and sort of translate it into the work world. And I think she felt pretty lost. And she told me that calling the hotline, which she did, you know, every day and several times a day during that period of a couple of months was a lifesaver for her. And that's huge because she is an amazing uh, woman who I think is going to contribute a lot um, to this conversation and to the veterans community. And so, you know, I saw it, and and I mean, I saw it with my own eyes or heard it with my own ears. Um, but there are people who rely on hotlines um, to get them through periods of time where they may be waiting, um, you know, for services or, you know, just a lot of, you know, stuff's hitting the fan all at once. And they can't, you know, they can't talk to anybody about it. Um, the uh, Veterans Crisis Line is, you know, it's perfect for that and uh, can also help, you know, untangle bureaucratic problems in, you know, trying to access services and, and uh, everything, you know, related to that. Um, veterans can call and get that kind of help, too, which I think is, yeah. is really critical. Absolutely. Ellen, I, th- I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. I know you're busy over there at HBO making just all sorts of great productions. I know when my guests have... When they when they come onto the show, there's, they usually have some sort of idea of what they would like to say, what kind of message they may they may have. Is there anything else that you would like to to add to the conversation that maybe we haven't uh, touched on yet here in, in this conversation? You know, I I feel like um, you know my message hasn't changed so much. Maybe that's okay, but uh, I think that there is no shame in uh, reaching out for help. And I think it's a brave thing to do. And I think it's necessary um, at particular times in, in veterans' lives um, to do that. And I, and I think, you know, it's important that, the, you know, the sense that, you know, accessing help or, or really sort of talking about these issues might be an, a professional impediment. Um, and it isn't and it doesn't have to be. Um, and I think that that's very, very important because obviously veterans are thinking about their future and what they want to do and can go on to do and are uniquely qualified to do. And struggling with post-traumatic stress or whatever it is, you know, doesn't have to be an obstacle. And it's 
super important to get help or you won't, you know, be able to access these kinds of opportunities. So it is safe to call hotlines. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's safe to call the crisis hotline and it's safe to reach out for help because, you know, people, you know, these kinds of services which are confidential, if you want them to be, you know, will protect your anonymity and um, you won't be outed in some way. Uh, and, and it's, you know, the beginning of trying to reconstitute your life. So yeah. I encourage people, I encourage veterans and family members to, you know, seek out the help that they need. Absolutely. Ellen, thank you so much. Thank you. So uh, between recording the intro and recording the uh, the outro, uh, I did a little research for you so you don't have to bother going to the show notes if uh, uh, to find out how to watch the documentary. You can watch it on HBO, of course. It's also on Amazon, Google Play, and Vudu. Um, all, all of those are pay to play, but Amazon... Uh, their Amazon Video or the Amazon Prime or what, I, I don't know exactly which one this is through, but uh, there is a free trial of some program on Amazon that would allow you to then watch this for free. So uh, HBO, if you have it, HBO Go, if your friend has it and you can get their log on. If not, try Google Play. Go check out Amazon. I really... I'm not saying that you need to go pay for it, but if you can find a way to watch this documentary, I highly recommend it. I watched it before I even thought about bringing Ellen on the show, and how well how well it was done is why I invited her to come onto the podcast. So hopefully, uh, hopefully I'm, I'm vouching for her enough there. So something that uh, I've thought about doing. Um, a lot of people want, want to know, how can we support your efforts? How can we, uh, you know, contribute? And, you know, people ask, can they make donations? Well, no, I feel weird about taking donations because, <laughs> because uh, I'm not a nonprofit. I'm not, you know, I'm just, I'm just a guy doing these podcasts. These are technically inter loss entertainment. Um, I have thought about uh, as a way to sort of monetarily support the podcast to allow me to maybe get bigger guests to maybe help me uh, do a little bit more marketing so I can get in front of more veterans and I can reach you know a bigger potential audience maybe doing a subscription podcast uh, whether whether it be the podcast would be a one-time subscription or one episode a month would be 99 cents and uh, you know maybe it'd be a, a be a, a a more significant show or a longer show, whatever it may be. Um, I'm just, I'm putting that out there. I would love to know what my audience thinks about that idea. If you'd be willing to pitch even a buck a month, uh, to, uh, to listening to this show, knowing that that money would go for, go towards marketing and events and other things that I can do to, to reach more veterans and reach more community members to help, to help, find a solution and help relay a solution, creating that understanding. So uh, tweet at me at Tim Lawson two one at one too many project O N E the number two many project. Uh, you can also go on that same website and uh, go into the contact page and, and let me know and just say, and just to be like, Hey, subscription, yes. Or subscription. No, I wouldn't do that. Uh, and we'll, we'll start there. Cause 
I really want to find new ways to get this message in front of an audience. And uh, unfortunately, money makes the world go round and uh, that's necessary. So thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate the support. I really appreciate the messages that I get. Uh, It means a lot to me. Take care. I'll see you Thursday with my momentary reflections.